This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain... Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Oliver's celebrated its 20th birthday this year, so to mark the occasion, we're re-releasing 20 of our favourite podcast episodes over the next month. Listen again to some old favourites or discover hidden gems you might have missed as we dive deep into the back catalogue. And don't forget there are more than 400 podcast episodes in the archive. Just head to olivemagazine.com to find out more. This week, Rio de Silva, author of book A Quick Thing on Plantain, shares 10 things you need to know about the history, traditions and recipes behind this fascinating fruit. Okay, I'm delighted to welcome Rui de Silva to the podcast today. Rui is a producer, creative practitioner and youth worker focusing on the social mobility of young working class people. He's also the founder of Afro Eats, a magazine that celebrates Afro-Caribbean home cooks in London and now the author of the new book, A Quick Ting on Plantain, which we're going to hear all about today. Welcome to the podcast, Rui. Thank you. It's so lovely to see you. Um, So today we're chatting about 10 things you need to know about planting. You're very, very specialist subject. I've I've read the book and it's great. Um, So let's kick off with the why. Your books are love letters to planting, weaving in history, politics, science, geography, recipes, and lots of personal stories. What was it like pulling all of that together? Where did the idea come from? Oh my days. Okay, cool. So (laughs) the first... I never actually thought of writing a book about plantain before. It not something that I had in my wish list or anything. Magdalene, the editor of the whole series, she knows that I like plantain a lot. It's like one of the few things about me that is not reserved. If you know me, you know that I like plantain. <laughs> so she messaged me one time and said, you want to write a book about it? And I thought she was joking <laughs> until I realised she wasn't. And I started thinking about it and I was kind of stumbled at first. I didn't think, I didn't know where to go with it. And I think that's part of the reason why I even wrote the book is like a lot of black British cultural items, we don't think about the things that are in our house in that, those ways, yeah. in academic ways or 
just things that should be explored culturally. So I think that's the first starting point. Like, okay, this actually should be talked about in particular ways. And I'll take everything and see what I can make out of it. Yeah. So, yeah. And how did you how did you approach it? Because there's a lot of research in there. I mean, <laughs> the scientific um, sort of, you know, the... Um, sort of biological scientific yeah. chapter blew my mind in yeah, particular yeah, yeah. how did you sort of approach that yeah, it blew my mind as well um <laughs> a lot of google <laughs> a lot of google pages but i think um what was interesting is that there's already quite a lot of research out there okay just that stuff that we don't link particularly with the culture of it so yeah the science of lantain is mostly written about and archived by botanists and people who study it from like a biological yeah. level not from a food level yeah um but i just like took that and linked it in with the food level. So there was a communication between myself and a few people that studied it where they, they were telling me things but I didn't know. But I was also telling them, oh no, but we eat this. That's like a big thing in our culture. And then like, yeah, yeah it, was, it was like a, a mixing of two worlds. That's nice. But, yeah. So you were like sharing your knowledge and swapping. Exactly. Swapping, yeah, facts, yeah, swapping yeah. planting facts. Yeah. Love it. Um, for number two, you wanted to talk about how important food is to a community's identity and you just touched on that. Tell, tell us about that. Yes, I think... Especially for, I speak from for black people first. Yeah. Because that's the community I come from. Um, living in, in England, England and London in particular, it's very, it's always like communicated to you that your culture is important um, as a matter of survival. So yeah. like when you first go to primary school, I went to a very bright primary school and mum was always telling me, you know, you've got to be proud of yourself and so on and so forth. And you don't really realise the importance of that when you're younger. You're just like, I'm just living, like whatever. But then the older you get, the more you realise how much vitality of life is attached to the culture you have. Yeah. And for every community, um, and I think food is one of the easiest ways to engage with that. So there's music, which is easy as well, but I think food is a much more personal experience. When you eat food from your culture, there's a, a process of experience your culture you don't think about. It's just you're just eating your culture, it's easy. You don't think about how I do it or why I do it, you just eat and you love it. And it's such a... It's already already done for you. As soon as you cook from something from your grandma's recipe or something from your culture, it's just you don't have to have any process about it. Yeah. That is the cultural process of exploring your own identity. Yeah. I think food is really accessible and I think it's a shame that in the city we come from, there's it's harder and harder to experience that outside of your house. Yeah. So in your home it's fine. But when you go outside and there's no African restaurants that are well established that you can experience your food with your friends or just in, in a public space. It gets really hard to exist in that space without feeling like you're missing some part of yourself. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's one of the reasons. Yeah. yeah. Um, tell us a bit about your, your personal heritage because your family came to the UK from Sao Tome, which is mm -hmm. cent Central African island. Yeah. Portuguese is a national language there. So, you, but you were actually born in Portugal. Is yeah, that yeah. Right? I was born. So, my mum and my dad are from Santomé, the yeah. island, and most of like their family are from there as well. Yeah. Um, but it's a Portuguese colony, and I think, like the story goes, life was hard, so they moved elsewhere, and yeah. Portugal was one one of the destinations because of the easy language um, uh, translation. And I think it was Portugal. It's a hard place to live. If from that community and mm. I think a lot of people actually moved from Portugal back to England oh no sorry to England sorry um, so I didn't actually experience a lot in Portugal I was born there but I only stayed there for three years okay. but a lot of the Portuguese culture that um, was taken from Santa Mer was take, taken to Portugal and then taken from Portugal to England so I got like a, a freeway experience of yeah. Santa Mer like through England through Portugal and yeah do you think your know. your perception of 
food. I mean, you're you're kind of. I know you said you weren't in Portugal for very long, but obviously it's Portuguese influence. Yeah. Do you feel that kind of influence coming from those different countries? A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I can. I can only. My experience of even African food is through Portugal anyway. Okay. Because um, I haven't been to Africa yet. Still, um, but everything I experience is through um, how culture is preserved in Portugal, and there's a lot of Portuguese African dishes, so lusophone, that differ from Anglophone dishes, so like Nigeria, Ghana. They have a way of cooking that is all West African, but it's slightly different right. from the Portuguese colonies. So there's Santomé, Cape Verde, there's uh, Mozambique, there's Angola, and we share like a kinship that's very different from Nigeria, Ghana. And all the other West African countries, so there's a there's a slight like difference that is attached to the Portuguese kind of culture okay. that is quite important for me. It kind of defines a lot of my food, actually. Is there yeah. like a would you be able to pinpoint anywhere in the UK or London that's doing that's that kind that. of Portuguese? Um, I'd say it's still in development. Yeah, that's like in the public spaces, it's still it's like still, hard to find. Yeah, it's a home thing. We're still like getting ahead of even Nigerian, which is. Nigeria, out in Africa, I mean, in Britain, African diasporas, Nigeria probably lead the most. And we're still like, yeah, still developing that kind of space for Nigerian food. Yeah, absolutely. So other cultures, it's still a long way to go. But I say like, sorry, I say Stratford is a place where you find a lot of Afro-Portuguese people. Cool. And you can probably see a few places there, but I don't know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um Let's talk about pronunciation. Okay, <laughs> One of my on. favorite things. There's a whole chapter in the book yeah. about how do we say, is it plantain or plantain? Can we say both? And you actually, <laughs> I think you even did a, a survey on this, didn't you? I with did, quite yeah, a few yeah, people yeah, to yeah. find out. Tell us the story of plantain versus plantain. Um, it's a crazy story. So I think it comes mainly from Caribbean, African cultures, I mean, communities that we actually share very similar food cultures because if you trace back our origins, we're kind of the same communities. But in England, we have very different experiences of the similar foods, and plantain is one of them. So like Caribbeans, to them, is plantain. That just makes sense. And Africans, plantain. And I think it it reflects on a wider like difference between a Caribbean and African diasporas that exists. We are very different. Mm. Um, and like if you go, go back to the early like 70s, or even even now, actually, there's African parents who have a very like stereotypical idea of what Caribbean people are like, and vice versa. <laughs> I think that that kind of pinpoints um, that differences. But what I like about the planting and planting culture is that we argue, we all love the fruit anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's like it's a it's a jovial argument. So yeah. it's cool. It's, but yeah, that's where it originates from. I think. Yeah. So you argue, you're arguing, but you're still at the end of it. You're still sitting down and eating it. Eat, and going, this exactly. Is the best yeah, thing yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss, the lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smart Food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. And for number five, you want to talk a little bit about vegan food and where plantain fits into that. Because yeah. I think in the book you talked about how it it got kind of co-opted by a vegan brand, didn't it? That you, yeah, you know? oh God, yeah. <laughs> we don't have to name names or anything. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. fine. I won't say anything. Um, so yeah, I think it, it speaks to general 
if you think of the term food gentrification, yeah, it's kind of that same um, story. But at this particular moment, there was a brand that um, had these plantain chips that were branded as vegan. I think they won an award for it. Okay, um, it was like vegan plantain chips, and for a lot of people who already eat plantain chips, so African communities like. What? Why are you calling it vegan? It's plantain chips. Of course it's vegan. You don't have to like rebrand this. It yeah. already exists. And I think it it's like it speaks to a process of erasure of culture in certain spaces. So mm. especially in gourmet food, there's a lot of foods that probably come from prior communities but get rebranded as new. And it, it, it takes away the connection from that food to those communities, which are which as, as I said before, it's an important link. Yeah. For, for, especially if you're in, in diaspora community and you're away from your homeland, essentially, that link is crucial. Sometimes, like survival, some people um, make money and make a, you know, they're chefs or they they explore careers off of who they eat. And it's important that link is there. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why when that happened, there was a lot of public outrage. There was a lot of outrage about yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. It's a good reason. And um, and that's a little bit about, you, you wanted to talk about um, cheap food and, and cheap labour. You know, is it cheap food bad or is it cheap labor the problem? And then the book, you talk about plantain inflation and how like you used to think about a pound is a pound equals three plantain, yeah. four plantain, yeah. rather than it's a pound, you know, I can get this. And yeah. and but recently that's Jeez, you know yeah. n- not there anymore because obviously of various reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I think if you speak to anyone that eats plantain in, in London, that was like a that was that's when you know, okay, rah, we're going into a bad period now. Like things are going bad now. Like the cost of living is rising, whatever. Cost of housing, whatever. But plantains cost more than one pound. That's a serious issue. Um, I think even there was one time, uh, I forgot his name now, but someone on Twitter, um, I forgot what politician it was, but she said one of your manifesto points needs to be addressing the prices of plantain because it's a serious issue. Um, but yeah, I think, again, I'm not sounding a broken record, but... It speaks to how important these foods actually are to our communities, yeah. and I think when it when the price of plantain rise, rose, so there was loads of speculation of what it could be. Um, people made theories, but I think at the heart of it, it was just a serious, genuine curiosity about what's happening, yeah. regardless of what the reason was, because there are loads of reasons. But it just speaks to like the fact that we actually do care about the pricing, and it actually yeah, does yeah, affect yeah. us. It's real, it's not just up in fifty p, and that's it. It's, yeah. It's a big moment, yeah. Because you did go quite far into it with, you know, increased production costs, disease yeah. happening, yeah, you yeah. know, import charges after yeah. Brexit, all of that stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, there is there is all of that to, to bring to bear. And you also said um, cutting out the middleman. <laughs> what what you would do yeah. if um, you said your, one of your local corner stores stopped supplying during lockdown. Yeah. And you started wondering how to do it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Andrew seconds. I think when that happened... Um, a lot of people worried about how they're going to get their stuff and their toilet paper, so on and so forth. For me, when I saw plantain wasn't in the box, I was like, oh, what happens now? And I think it just made me think, especially when I started researching this book, when you think that the people that we get from are real people, yeah. there's no reason why I can't actually communicate with them directly. Especially when there's like loads of curiosity about the pricing, you can ask those people yourself. We can make those links ourselves in it. It's actually part, I remember speaking to a woman called Dee, Dee Woods. She spoke to me about how in the early 70s, it was their responsibility to get Caribbean food from the Caribbean to England. Okay. Because no one else was going to do it. And I think for me, when I, when I talked to her, it made me think about plantain. Like if no one does it, then 
what am I going to do in front of stuff I know I have to yeah. do it myself yeah so yeah how so far down the line did you get with researching that ha, I've, I've, I've got a list of people that if it happens I'm ready <laughs> yeah 100% you didn't think about that though because obviously you know from my point of view was things like loo roll and god pasta I can't believe <laughs> we're all obsessed about <laughs> yeah, not yeah, being yeah. able to get pasta you know it just shows you how like but um but yeah for you it was it was seeing the planting disappear yeah. off the the front the yeah. shops yeah, yeah. so if you've got your local suppliers then that you that you go I, into I hope, hope so I think um there's still like a lot of gray area around mm. how things get grown um mm -hmm. so like because obviously I don't have the buying power of a huge no big cup production company yeah. to say you know sell only to me or um, yeah. um but I, I would like to at least explore the interest and see what happens yeah yeah absolutely let's talk about some of the ways we can cook and eat plants now there is a there's a whole chapter in the book on different recipes you've sourced recipes from loads of different places what are your favorite ways to cook cook and eat it um i mean i'm quite old school i like i like the natural plain way i can't <laughs> lie so like um if plantain's ripe it's normally fried for me does the job already yeah like anything on top of it you're just you're adding extras but it was already fine in the beginning anyway but um i think as of recent i really like pancake made plantains i, okay. I saw it I think it was from somewhere in the Caribbean. I can't remember what country that I saw really does it well. Like imitated that, and I've had it like almost every other morning. So that's that's like a because you can actually have plantain for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, <laughs> depending on how you cook it. Yeah. That's why I think it's so amazing. So I've had it for as breakfast pancake. Um, I had it as a there's something called tostones in yeah. South America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had tostones as as like a an adder to whatever that like, stew I'm e eating I'll yeah. have it there and um, I've had like fondant plantains like fondant potatoes but oh, actually wow. plantain oh yeah I think you wrote about that in the book didn't you yeah, someone yeah, you spoke bit. to said why um, if you can do it with a potato fried in butter why can't yeah, you do it with plantain, plantain because yeah, it's going to go yeah. nice and like fondant inside exactly side. yeah and it's sweeter so like I've been doing that and like yeah there's just so much I can I think when you think of plantain as just an, an ingredient, not necessarily a recipe. Yeah. It's like when you think of plantain, some people think of oh, just fried plantain. But if you just think of it as an, a, an ingredient first, there's so many ways to explore it. Tell us about the different stages of it, because obviously yeah. sometimes I go, I live near Stroud Green, so obviously there's okay, quite a lot yeah. down there of yeah, um, yeah. Afro-Caribbean stores. Um, so I'll see like the green plantain, I'll see the middle in, and then I'll yeah. see the like really, really black plantain. Yeah, what, yeah, yeah. So are those cooked in different ways at different stages? Yes. So the really green plantain is obviously unripe. And at that level, um, I don't want to get sciencey, but it hasn't, the, it's called ethylene gas, hasn't been released yet. So the starch hasn't converted into sugars. Ah, okay. So it's, it's not sweet. But because it's not sweet, it can be treated like, like a potato. So a lot of people, that's like tostones, yeah. they're using savory dishes because it's not a sweet dessert. And I think that, as I said, like, you can make so many dishes of it. The green one is more savory dishes. Okay. And as it ripens, you get more to the sweet. Like the sugars the, start releasing. Exactly. Yeah. And then that's when you get a lot more sweeter dishes. So dessert-based dishes. And the black one, a lot of people discard them. But actually, if you open a plantain when it's black, yeah. you'll find that the flesh is absolutely fine. It's just when it's almost all the sugars have converted. I mean, yeah. all the starch have converted to sugars. So that is sweetest. And that's probably best for a lot of people make them... Um, I don't know what to call them in English. Uh, like fried, uh, like puff puff. I don't know if you know what puff puff is. 
feel like I should know what a puff puff is. <laughs> it's like a, it's like, Des- imagine like yeah, a doughy, it, yeah. like, a, like, dough, like a donut. Like a donut, right? Yeah, but no. But not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but That's like, the thing we're always doing though, isn't it? Going, it's like so and so, but it's not. Actually, it's yeah, 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 exactly. I'm going to go and research puff puffs. Yeah, puff puff is really nice, but you can make like, because it's so sweet, but it's also soft because yeah. there's starch in it. Yeah. You can form it into like more doughy texture. Oh, nice. And fry it that way. Um, you can make desserts with it. It's so many things you can do with it. Yeah. How do you know that your black planting isn't going to be a bit monky inside? And do you just have to trust the um, shopkeeper that he's not selling you? Selling you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I suppose you just wouldn't go back, would you, like normal? I think, <laughs> so like normally, even if it, even if all of it is black, yeah. it'll still be fine. I think yeah. when it starts, when you start seeing white parts in it, mm. that's when that maybe that a bit of mold of oh, coming inside. It's, yeah. gone, it's gone too far yeah, down that's that road. Yeah, that's too far down that road. But even yeah. then, there's probably, it's still good to savor. Like, yeah. It's, it takes a long time for planting yeah. to be out of use. Um, I was going to say, yeah. I feel like, I feel like it would, it would have to be quite a dodge planting for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Something's <laughs> happened along the way. You're like, yeah. I can do something with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I was actually interviewing someone last week, uh, Luis Gonzalez Castro, and he's oh. Cuban Puerto Rican heritage. Oh, nice. So he was talking about planting because right, okay. they, they um, make a, thing called marikita which is it's green planting crisp so again you know the frying thing he serves it with a little dip of i think it's garlic and orange juice and um and olive oil um and he was just saying oh my god we love planting so much (laughs) um and it's true that it it goes right across you know you've you've mentioned your sort of heritage but it Mm. goes through so many different types of heritage doesn't it tell tell us about that yeah so that's something that um i already knew but i learned a lot more research in the book yeah because I think in the black community, we've always seen this planting as our own yeah. kind of item. When you explore the use of plantain, even where it's grown, it stretches from South America to Asia. I even saw recipes of plantain in based in India, which is a culture that for black communities in Britain, you mm. don't associate with plantain whatsoever. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I've never gone to uh, an Indian restaurant and thought, let me get plantain, never thought in my life. But when I researched, it's, it's such a global fruit, it grows everywhere. And a lot of people have their own uses for it. Even like culturally, um, I forgot what it's called, but there's a celebration I wrote in the book. Um, in India, it's a religious celebration, mm. part of that religious celebration. They use plantain as part of the food. Oh, wow. So like even culturally, it speaks to much wider to our community. I think that's something that I really enjoyed researching about yeah. plantain. It's a global fruit. Yeah. yeah. Do you think it's it's so popular because it grows readily and quickly and is a really good source of, you know, yeah. vitamins? And I, I mean, I'm guessing it is pretty good for you. Yeah, yes, it's you definitely look like, healthy. <laughs> I'm always careful about calling it a superfood. Oh no, I wouldn't. Case. I wouldn't use that word. That's, <laughs> yeah, 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 we yeah. don't use that word either. <laughs> seriously, <laughs> but I mean, in a sense, it, yeah, it's nutritious like crazy. I think um, that's a big part of it. But also, films, especially Latin American and Black communities, African Caribbean communities, during certain periods of time, mm. um, when food resources, let me not sugarcoat. During slavery and indentured slavery, indentured servant servitude, sorry, um, slave quarters were were fed using the cheapest kind of fruits are about, mm. and plantain one plantain of them. Was, yeah. So if you like, I remember re- researching a book. I read a few, a few like um, diaries of slaves and diaries of slave owners. Yeah, and they would describe um, slave quarters. They would describe the boats and describe the wood and the lights, and they would say that's part of the food was plantain. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so like it's it's also like attached to certain cultures not by force but like it's a part like of the story like everything yeah it's yeah. part of that whole yeah, story exactly. yeah exactly 
Um, finally, <laughs> the future of planting, <laughs> and, and for you as well. What, what's has this kickstarted? Like, because uh, I know you. Um, as I said in the, the beginning, you've you've um, you founded Afro Eats magazine. Oh, yeah. um, writing this book has it has it sparked something in doing further food writing and really? I think so maybe yeah I think and for me food is a daughter like loads of other yeah. conversations um, and I think upon writing this book and upon seeing how many people engage with it it was clear to me that like this isn't like a this isn't just me that loves plantains so many people that love plantains yeah. I think if we continue opening doors for conversations around the food we eat you know plantain but also wider than that mm. I think it will just create more space for us to um, not just preserve culture, but explore it, celebrate it, and so on and so forth, and like find some sort of um, vitality in that. I think yeah. it's really important. So for me, in the future is just to create more space for people to celebrate it, to explore it, to talk about it, to enjoy it, and just keep doing that. Yeah, yeah. amazing. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick up that. Well, I've, I've got, I've got a copy of the book, but um, there's so many recipes in there as well are, yeah, for people yeah, to try yeah. all sorts of different things yeah, with yeah, it. Yeah. So that's got, that's got to be a good one. Oh well, thank you so much for coming to chat to us, Rui. And um, if people want to find your book, it's called A Quick Thing on Plantain, and it's a, it's a, it's one in a series of books mm. uh, by Jarakanda Press. Tell it, tell us about the series. Yeah, so I think this is another thing spearheaded by Max Madeline. Yeah. So a quick thing on explores different things on Black British culture, yeah. but in a in a way that the author gets to narrate it, and it's actually from the culture, and it like champions people voicing things about our culture in our own ways. Yeah. So there's a quick thing on grime, quick thing on Afrobeats, which is just released by Christ Christopher. There's a quick thing on um, Afro hair. Yeah. There's a quick thing on fear. It's gonna be that one. Quitting on uh, earrings, bamboo earrings, and quitting on Black British business, and quitting on the Black British power movement. Wow. So they're like topics that ha people probably know about, but yeah. haven't been championed yeah. by ourselves. And it, um, it allows first time authors also to explore it. So absolutely, really sick series, man. and yeah. really go into something in depth. Yeah, like exactly. one particular thing. Exactly. Yeah. Have so the space you, to write yeah, about it. Interest about one particular thing. Yeah. Pick up any of them. They're all like, I've read uh, three out of the seven, I said. Yeah. But they're all amazing. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. brilliant. And and those are all Jarakanda books. And yes. I actually went online today and it's, they're, they're really readily available online so people yeah, can go and find them. Yeah, pre-order, buy all of that. Yeah, 100%. Brilliant. Oh, thanks again for coming to chat to us today. That's all right, I've enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to the Olive Podcast. For recipes and more information, head to olivemagazine.com. Do remember to listen out for our effortless bonus episodes where our guests reveal their best cooking cheats, hacks and shortcuts. And don't forget to subscribe at iTunes, Acast, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.